0: Hello and welcome to tonight's edition of Just Try Ultra podcast, the podcast for the aspiring amateur ultra endurance athletes. Tonight's guest is a sports scientist and a strength and conditioning coach. He has a passion for sport, health, education, and building a relationship through these three. He has worked with sports teams in the cricket circuit in Mumbai, India. He's enthusiastic about ultra endurance events, including both triathlon and running. He has experience in working with ultra endurance athletes through his gym in Bloemfontein called SportFit. He's a distributor, the sole distributor of Hoka's, Hoka's running shoes. Herman Liebenberg, welcome to the podcast. I think most people have the urge to give something back to society and in some shape or form, pay it forward. You are very lucky that you have found this something that you would like to pay forward at an early stage in your life. I have only scraped on the surface that the internet tells us about you, but there has to be more. Please tell me and the listeners more about yourself.
1: Um, So, as you know, my name is Armin. I'm 30 years old. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, to follow my passion as, a, as my occupation. Um, yeah, so just to be, to be working with, with sports people and um, to help them prepare for these amazing big adventures um, got me into participating in, um, and next, trying it myself. So I've been doing sports since a very, very young age, since we started with primary school um, I used to try everything out so um, I think that's where, where it started for me to be interested in, in just more than one thing so as I hear about something new I want to try it and then uh, the competitive side of me just kicks in and I want to do better at it and then I want to do something more and I want to do something longer. And, uh, yeah, so that just built up my, my passion for sport and for helping people and, um, for getting people to do remarkable things and, and be part of their journey. So, um, I'm, I'm married with two kids. So I've got a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old, a boy and a girl. And, um, so they keep me busy. They keep me me fit and going. As um, my son just loves cycling, so we need whenever he sees a bike, we just need to go cycling. And so it's it's exciting to see w- where that goes one day. And hopefully, you can join uh, join in with us. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm very into sports, endurance sports. I love working with people. I'm lucky enough to to do that for a living. And um, yeah, I'm I'm excited about what's coming.
0: I can only imagine how busy it must be being a coach and dealing with various sports and conditioning the whole day and trying to balance the family life in between with your own training as well. What does a typical day in the life of Herman look like?
1: Okay, so my, my day starts quite early. I wake up at four every morning. Um, I drive to work 430 get everything ready at the gym, uh, prepare for the, the m- first morning's clients to come in. Um, so I'll h- roughly see 25 to 35 people up until 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, that's when I have a break. So I'll, I'll grab my my uh, training gear and then do a quick session in the gym. Um, so I, I kept myself for some time Otherwise, if I spend too much time, my day just flies by. So um, from 10, I'll have a quick workout. Then um, I have some work that I need to catch up on. And then from two till end of the day, I have clients to see again. So I'm relatively busy during the day, I need, but I need to fit in some training. So I make sure that I fit it in there. And then about just after five to six, I head home and then I have two young ones. So um, they take up all the time that I have left. And um, until they go to bed, I take out my laptop again, and then it's back to work. So till at about 11, I kept it again, and then we're off to bed. So that's a a Monday to Thursday. Friday is a little bit more relaxed. And um, then it's repeat.
0: That is quite a long day. I am impressed. I struggle to wake up even at five. If I do, then I go for my training. Otherwise I'll keep it to the afternoon or like a late or early evening session. And I try to get into bed between nine and half past nine every night. So uh, we quite different in that sense. Um, but it does seem like most ultra endurance athletes and aspiring athletes do wake up early. That's a common trait that I've picked up. Um, I've, I've been into multi-sports since a very young age and become accustomed to the strains that is encountered during the training routines and the time that is required. Also, the money to acquire the needed equipment. What is your advice when it comes to the average athlete to become an endurance athlete or an ultra-endurance athlete?
1: So if when, when looking at starting your your first race or preparing for your first race, is I'd say that make sure that you have the necessary equipment. Um, I always say that if if you have the right equipment, then you're going to enjoy training and you're going to enjoy the actual race. So nobody wants to pitch up at a race not having your your rain jacket or not having your space blanket or not having something and then end up having to stress about it just before the race. Um, You don't want to get yourself a week or two before the race with equipment failure or um, not, you know, having confidence in your equipment. So um, I think number one is w- when you invest so much time and so much money into a sport, um, just make sure you get the proper equipment from the beginning. I know it's not always always possible, but um, maybe start off with a little bit less, but better equipment. Make sure that that can, can last for. A little bit longer and um then you know that you are settled so i think that's the number one and then the last is um like if i have a look at my my own races um it's not fun when i'm not prepared for a race so um when when i prepare then i enjoy it a lot more so preparation and proper equipment that's that's the most important for
0: me I would sort of add on to that, that one can possibly hold back on the, on the heavy, expensive equipment in the sense that obviously you're going to need shoes, um, get good shoes. Obviously you're going to need good cycling shoes and a good cycling pair of pants, but you can, you can start in a gym. You can use the gym spinning bikes or the watt bikes as your, as your first point of entering into the cycling scene, you don't have to go and buy an expensive bike just to get started on the bike. Um, who knows, maybe, maybe you really hate it. So, so that's probably not a bad idea of just sort of buying the needed stuff, um, as a start and holding back on the, on the more, expensive and and like the really big line items um that is needed at a race obviously but you don't really need it at the start of training would you agree on that
1: definitely so um so i with my first half ironman um i borrowed a bike for for the race um trained on a white bike in the gym and um two months uh, before the race i borrowed a bike and um that's definitely true what you're saying um and yeah i totally agree so when you get the necessary stuff get proper equipment um ones where you know you can maybe borrow from someone or you can you can get it you can you can hire it somewhere but uh definitely shoes like a running bag um you know stuff that's that's gonna make it a a must that's definitely worth getting proper equipment
0: um just to get back into the into how you got into the into the endurance sport I got into endurance triathlon partly due to my personality um always seeking like you said the next adventure like the typical type a personality um but also partly because I was exposed to endurance sports from a young age with my parents being in a friend group that did like Cape August together and they did these mountain biking events together. So being a little kid, watching them train, watching them participate in these races were inspiring to me. And that got me thinking that maybe I can do this. And I got to a stage where I've completed my first August at the age of 13. And, um, that was that was such a spectacular experience. If you can just elaborate a little bit more on how you got into endurance sport. You did say you are always seeking the next adventure, always seeking the next distance, but there, there has to be more to the story.
1: Yeah, so um, I used to play rugby when I was at school. So my running consisted of short distances, having that idea you know, you don't want to run too much. It's going to break down the muscle and that same old story. And um, after school varsity, I I enjoyed the running a lot. And um, that's really where it started for the endurance events. Um, That's where the the 5K got to a 10K and the 10K got to 15. And the 15 said, well, let's go do the two oceans half marathon. Uh, So that was the, the, probably the first big one and uh, then from there i received an entry for the montex Source um challenge um six weeks before the race so relatively um unprepared for it and uh, we went out and i have a, a really big love for the mountains and um so we were in the mountains and we did running that i loved um and from there just started um from there we looked for the next one and the next one and as soon as as i got more comfortable running more comfortable running the longer stuff um, i started with the ultra running um, i always had a an interest in triathlons i always wanted to do a triathlon and um but i never knew where to start so i just went up entered for half Fine man and then figured my way out to where to start, what to what equipment to get to start with. And um, I did my first one, fell in love with the sport, um, did another one. So, yeah, it just built up, built up, and built up from, from the race. Then I pushed the goalpost, did another race, pushed the goalpost. So, yeah, it just grew from one race to another and never regret a moment of
0: it. Yeah. Oh. I, I really find it very interesting that a large majority of the ultra endurance circuit out there is the same personality type to a large extent. Um, we all have that need in us to, to move the goalpost. A lot of people will get frustrated by us for moving the goalpost the whole time, but, um, we really have that urge within us. Um, As mentioned before, you've done a multitude of ultra-endurance events. What is your advice to the aspiring ultra-endurance athlete in terms of a first race, be it a single sport or a multi-sport event?
1: I think um, get to know the race that you are entering for. Uh, Make sure that you know what's expected of you on race day. Um, I've had a couple of clients that uh, they entered for a race, but they're not really... don't really know what what lies ahead for them on race day um the terrain um how difficult the race is um how long it's going to take them because i've what i've seen is they will enter for a 21 or 23k race um let's take four peaks so that's that's not your average 24 k's and um that'll take you probably double the time so they think 23 k's 24 k's uh will be done in uh, two hours two and a half hours where actually it's gonna take you between four and a half to six six and a half hours so make sure that you know exactly what you need to prepare for and um uh, yeah so when you figure that out then get a plan get a structured plan and stick to a plan to to get you to race day and um, be prepared for for what the race is going to throw at you
0: oh that's that's very important now you know the environment you're entering into and that that also extends to the relative humidity the average temperature you're going into that all has an, a, a, an effect on the amount that you're going to sweat your – And the amount that you're going to sweat has an effect on the amount of hydration you need to take in. So it's much deeper than just participating in a 21 K or in a 42, in a hundred K, whatever the distance might be. You need to know these things. You need to do that research. As you just said, when you look back at your career in the circuit, what would you say is a highlight and also a a disappointment in the, in the endurance circuit?
1: The like highlight for me is definitely completing the Thirteen Peaks Challenge earlier this year. Um, so about ten weeks before the the race or before the challenge, uh, the planned challenge, um, I received an in, uh, invite to it. I'm not sure if if I must do it or not. Um, but I, as a, as I said earlier, I like. Um, new adventures and I like to throw myself into the deep end so I said yes Um, and we managed to do the 13 peaks under 24 hours which is really awesome Um, so that's definitely a a, you know one of my best memories from it Um, the worst probably is my last half Ironman Um, so I had this high hopes of of doing a really good time for me Um, and then about five weeks before the race, I had a hip injury. Um, not even able to run 500 meters. Um, and then in five weeks' time, I had to do 21K. So no running four weeks before the race. Um, on race day, you still want to race. You feel good on the bike. You feel good on the swim. But then, you know, come running, you're not going to be anywhere. So I think that was the 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 most disappointed i've been um on a race or with any race um but it was still nice even though i could not race as, as fast as i wanted to
0: yeah that's um, that sort of leads me to the next question just speaking on the mental aspect of recovering from an injury there's obviously there's a rehabilitation that that has to be taken in terms of your physique and your muscle that needs to be replaced and retrained and all of that aspects that goes with it. But the mental, mentally get getting back on the horse is difficult, especially for for someone like myself. I really struggle to get back on the horse. How do you approach and how do you suggest people approach getting back on the horse after an injury, after a setback, after COVID, perhaps any sort of setback. Sure. Um, That's a tough question. I think for me, when
1: I need to give someone advice that I, that I really personally know, I think that's easier because you know, the personality, you know, what will trigger the excitement. Um, But I I think make it fun for yourself. Um, Get small, small victories, focus on the small victories. Um, Think of that first 5k that you complete without having pain or buy a new pair of if possible a new pair of shoes and um, say if you get to your first 10k you can get them out of the box and do your first 15 in them or um, make it make it fun make it enjoyable and make it something that you want to do again Um, even if it's if it's adding a sport or a, an event that you don't we wouldn't normally do um, let's say if you're a runner maybe go for a few bike sessions or hiking or just to get that that taste of what you want to do back but um what i've seen with myself is i need to make it fun for myself i need to make it get something that i'm looking forward to enter for a race um, that I know I must be prepared for, um, set small goals that I know, a checklist, if I get this one, I'm on track for the next, I'm on track for the next, and then I'll be ready for the race. Um, if you want to do good in your first race, back from injury or back from a setback, um, or not even, not even a race, just a, something that you set yourself to. So set a goal, make it fun preparing for it, and, um, I think you'll be, you'll be good to go.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I guess a way that, that you can make it fun is getting the family involved. I, I know you personally, and I know your family and your extended family is highly active and into sports and into like a lot of them is into endurance sports, which also adds to the fun aspect and maybe some competitiveness between you and the wife, um, yeah it's 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 really a blessing to to be able to do this with your significant other how does she um approach or handle the fact that you are out there training quite often is she happy with it how do you guys approach that in your relationship
1: except for the um certain roads that i'm not allowed to cycle on um <laughs> everything is uh, is is really awesome um I have a wife that's really, really, really understanding. And the fact that she is also so crazy about being fit and and enjoying running and enjoying cycling and enjoy being out there makes it so much easier. Um, So she understands what what running and what exercise means to me. And... um, by communicating well with her and vice versa makes it makes it possible. Um, it makes it possible for me to to work every morning and on a Saturday morning go out and do a run. Um, but the thing is, when when you get back, you need to be there. Um, so there's no taking it easy. There's no sitting like saying, "I just did a 20 I I can't do this or I can't do that." And um, I think just not being selfish makes it makes her fine with it. Um, and then what what we do is if I go for a run on a Saturday, then I make sure that I ask her if she wants to go for a run on a Sunday. Um, so, yeah, her running is just as important to me as my own running. And um, I think that makes a big, that changes things for us. So that makes it possible for both of us to enjoy what we love.
0: Especially having two kids around, young kids at that, um, you need to, at least one parent needs to probably be present. You can't just leave them to fend for themselves. Um, I want to speak about training and training programs specifically, um, especially when it comes to the aspiring endurance or ultra endurance athlete. Um, Most people can probably finish a 5K or 10K without really consulting a coach or and would you say step one is getting a coach? Um, I've worked with you previously and you formulated a training program that really su- suits my needs and fitted my schedule very well. What is your approach taking on each individual? Like some people you won't know and they approach you to get a training program. What, do you, what is your approach when you create these programs for them?
1: The most important is to try and get to know your client first um, or the athlete first. Um, is know what their average day looks like, know what their average week looks like. So, if I just write a program and I give it to them, and let's say we have four running sessions in a week, but they maybe only have time for three, or they want to go to gym and run, then Four isn't going to work. So by knowing them and um, knowing what their situation is like, um, how accessible is the place where they run, how safe it is, um, you know, just getting to know them makes it easy. Makes it so that I can design the program um, to make it f- possible for them to to stick to it. Because um, I think consistency is probably one of the most important parts of a program. And also, if, if they feel that they can only do 60% of a program, they're going to feel as if they're failing, and then they're not going to, the compliance is not going to be good enough. So, I think getting to know them is probably the most important. And then try and design the program as close to their, their needs as possible, to what they can achieve, how long sessions they have. And that's what's difficult sometimes. Um, I know what what they probably need to have available to, to successfully train but sometimes they still want to do it even though they don't have enough time and um, I just need to try and, and design it in such a way that it's that is easy for them to, to do it.
0: And how do you, how do you approach feedback? I mean you've got an online platform that you also coach a lot of people, not only locally but maybe nationally i don't know maybe internationally and how do you approach the feedback portion because that's crucial for for you to be an effective coach you need to understand what this guy you've given him two weeks training program he's complying to it or he's not complying to it Um, a lot of people will feel very um, self-aware if they can't do the scheduled program but you need to get that feedback from them and adjust the program accordingly how do you approach that
1: aim is always to try and talk to them as much as possible but life happens they get busy you get busy um so i try to communicate with them or have them communicate with me at least after every day um, if they have multiple sessions on training peaks per day, let's say they have a, a gym session and a running session, always ask to just leave one comment about how your session was. Was it easy? Did you have enough time? Uh, was it too easy? Um, was there something that you weren't able to do? Um, any feedback they give me will help me progress or um, change the following week so I always say that the feedback they give is going to directly influence where we go from there um, if they don't give me feedback from their side after the sessions then I'm not going to know where, how quickly we can progress how long we should take to get to the next level um, so um, and then after we I try to to get in touch after week's training just to, to hear what the week was like. Um, did they manage to fit in all the sessions? If not, which ones that, that they plan on doing? So yeah, um, most important for me is feedback after a session because um, it's it's different from the metrics they give on these platforms. Um, so if they rate the RPE fra- between a zero and a 10, if they rate it a six, and um, sometimes I leave a comment where the comment says oh, it was a really easy session and then they still write it a six so that doesn't agree so um, for me the, the, the comment that they leave is, uh, carries much more value than the feedback they give on the app themselves so comments definitely for me the most important.
0: And, and that's quite a big advantage of the day and age that we live in. Um, the availability of information for people to to get onto the same platform, the coach and the train, trainee get on the same platform and, and access the same biometrics and same information. That's definitely at, advantageous to the sport and to the, to the um, person excelling in the sport and moving forward and reaching their goal. What would you say is a disadvantage of, of technology in the you know in the sport of running, cycling, swimming, maybe a combination of the of the three?
1: I think technology overall keeps us focused too much too much focused on that. Um, keeps you which I, I don't think is always a bad thing, but keeps you too much worried about what your watch says. Am I running fast enough? Um, am I? Is it going to look good on Strava? <laughs> what are people going to say on Strava? So I think we maybe get caught up a little bit on what the feedback is going to be instead of how are you actually feeling on a run? Um, what are you actually doing with your sessions? Um, but I can see that in my own training is sometimes I, I need to do an easy run or at a certain pace and then... I just feel good and uh, I look at my watch and I see, yes, I'm doing well, so let's just carry on. And I don't think that's always the, the best thing to do is try and sometimes to ignore what your watch says um, and just do what you're supposed to. But um, in terms of uh, online technology, um, I think interpretation of sessions, um, let's say like a one off program, I maybe, design a certain session or program with the idea of maybe the focus is on the endurance component. And then when the client or the athlete actually do the program, um, they, they struggle to do the endurance or they struggle to do with the three minute or the five minute, and then they walk or they stop cycling and rather slow down, finish your interval than to stop. And I think, um, it's easier when you, when you get more feedback, um, then that's easier to carry over instead of just giving it online and they carry on on their own. So, yeah.
0: That, that answers the question extensively. I like that. Um, yeah, so the, the most important thing is you see all these biometrics, but the person's um, perceived exertion and the way that he felt while doing this exercise is crucial for you to to accurately interpret what the what the biometric says that's what i take from that um, i want to i want to just talk about nutrition i've recently started consulting a dietitian when it comes to my approach the goal orientated training that i'm doing and the performance i'm getting from it um, what is your approach when it comes to diet? Do you follow a strict meal plan or do you just daily sort of include and exclude some foods? What is your daily nutritional plan look like?
1: Sure. We, So with, with the two little ones at home, we try to eat healthy. Um, we're not on a specific diet or anything we, we must eat or must not eat. Um, I just try and cut out sugars as much as possible, um, and um, well, lucky for me, I don't. We don't really drink, so I'm not. I don't really use alcohol, maybe now and then. Um, but diet-wise, is we we try to cut out anything that's really bad. We still have, you know, your your takeaways and stuff. I'm a huge fan of takeaways though. <laughs> but um, as as much as possible, I try to get the healthy foods in as much as possible um try to get the better option the more healthier option um but there's no specific diet just try and get in the good nutrients and the good foods and um stuff that i know is going to fuel my body um yeah and one thing that i important for me is it must taste taste nice
0: I think that's important for everyone. Um, you don't want to be shoving things that's really not tasting good <laughs> down your throat when you're busy on a 50k run. That's not going to be nice. Um, I want to also touch on the on the advice that you have for 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 the aspiring athlete, especially when it comes to these things. Um, a person might be quite used to doing a 5k run but you don't really need to have a strict diet or a dietitian or any sort of meal plan when it comes to these short um, distance races but as soon as you enter, enter the ultra scene you really need to think about what you put into your body because that's going to be the fuel that carries you through the race and on race day what do you do how do you approach Because it can be quite overwhelming having this extensive training program and now you really have to focus on what you're eating at the start. How do you approach your your clients when when these things becomes a challenge?
1: I think personal preference is a very big factor um, in this case. Um, Some people like to eat solid foods. Um, Some like You know taking bars and and eating gels um for me i like whole foods so i'll take some something that i can bite, something that i can chew i don't like um only running on bars and gels and and stuff so i like solid foods i feel that fuel me so much better um i'll top up that with a, a bar and you know some some small things that i can keep on eating as i'm running But when it comes to my clients, I try and and give advice as to what they prefer. Um, Can they eat? So I'm sitting with a client that she struggles to eat when running. So at the moment, we're trying to get alternatives for her because it's so important to eat. And um, so she's running on gels and um, she takes her food, but she can't eat. So. We're trying and experimenting on on options for her to take on when she's running. Um and the advice is to for her is to try them on her long runs, um, longest runs. That's simulating her race, so that she knows how it's affecting her body. Is she able to take it in? Can she chew it? Can she get it down? So yeah, I think uh, personal preference, and then try and work around that to um, to what what they can get in and
0: what not oh, that's that's very important especially you need to be between the I can't remember what the right word is but there's like a, a caloric or where you get your energy from Um there's, there's a band of like a high end and a low end. and You need to stay between those two in these endurance races. Otherwise, you eat the proverbial wall. And to get back from that is not only mentally challenging, but also physically really, really tough um, to get back from. So like you said, it's important to just stay fueled. And, and in your training, get to know your body, get to know yourself, get to know what works for you because – there has to be something out there that's going to work for you. I recently spoke to someone on the, pod, on the podcast. So he drinks water and he has purity, which he gives to babies. So that's his race fuel. And and I even said, like, you're going to take all of these race fuel people out of business and purity is going to excel because there's a lot of ultra-endurance athletes out there. But that was definitely a first for me. Um, but yeah the the fact that I or the point that I'm trying to make is experiment um and find out what works for you and experiment on a shorter run (laughs) because um and then then you take it to a longer run because it can really be uncomfortable and quite awkward if you if you've eaten something wrong and you out there it's it's not a it's not a good feeling um I just also want to touch on Like you, you coach a few people or quite a lot of people and many athletes miss training sessions. I mean, that's part of life. You, you are going to miss training sessions. I've got a, I've got a feeling that, or I always say that if I can complete 85% of a training program, I should be able to complete the race quite comfortably. Um, how do you approach and what is your advice to listeners upon or when missing training? What do you, what do you say? Do you play catch up or do you put it aside and just carry on? Do you, you spoke about the feedback portion that you require to accurately work out this program, but what is your advice on newbies when missing training sessions?
1: I think the most important is um, when you miss a session, that's gone. You're never going to get that back. Um, you don't want to fit in the extra session somewhere that it's not supposed to adding an extra run is going to put more stress on your, on your legs. Um, you're going to get to a, a three days in a row instead of two days with a day's rest. So you can very quickly go into too much too soon or just too much um, when you throw in extra session where it's not supposed to fit in so my number one rule with the clients um, is when i give them a program is when you miss a day then forget about it Um, we can always change the couple of days um, ahead and um, you know switch a few sessions and uh, do a few changes but when you miss a session then forget about it that's the most important for me we can always edit and change and and do redo the planning but um never catch up.
0: Yeah. Almost see it as a rest day, embrace it as a rest day rather than a <laughs> rather than a defeat or something like that. Um make, turn it into something positive. Uh, that's what I also think. Um <laughs> I remember I remember doing my first full full distance marathon and experiencing experiencing a range of emotions during the race, going from being at a mentally stable place with my mind set on the goal and my body obeying my mind's commands after some time out there at roughly the three hour mark well my body started giving up on me and my mind soon followed at the finish line i was overwhelmed with emotion and i think it's fair to say that mentally i was not prepared for this for this race at all how do you approach the mental aspect of preparing for a race? And what is your advice to people that want to enter the ultra circus? Cause I called it a circus just there because sometimes it is a bit of a circus. I mean, there's people doing like four times Ironman distance events, which is really a circus, but people trying to enter the endurance circuit What is your advice to them? How do you approach the mental training and having the mental capacity to deal with the highs and the lows that you're going to experience on race day?
1: One thing that I like to say and to mention to people is that in my opinion, that race day is going to be tough. doesn't matter if you are prepared or if you're not prepared, it's going to be tough. Um, when you when you prepare well, you're gonna race hard and when you don't prepare enough, it's just gonna be very hard. Um, so be prepared to suffer and you know, just as I mentioned earlier, know what the race um, demands from you. so I think in a sense that will help you mentally prepare for the massive thing that you're gonna do. Um, and um in in a way, if you can try and Simulate some kind of feeling or some kind of of uh, mental state that you're gonna get into the race. If you're gonna, if you can try and, and manage that, then you know you you're always gonna run with tired legs, or you're gonna run. And you're not gonna have enough food, or you're gonna be tired, or you're gonna have pain, and then um, get a way that you can get past that, and and it always gets better. Some stage you get. Or not better. You're gonna get more comfortable with that pain, or comfortable with getting uncomfortable. So, yeah, I just, I just think try and and get a way for you to to get used to that or get past that, and um, get something positive that you can rather put your head onto, even though it's it's that tough.
0: Yeah, I've um, I've previously had a different coach. Um, and he, he told me, like leading up to race day, go out when it's hard. So I used to interpret that like go out in the middle of the day at 12 or at 11 when it's really, really hot and go go for your long run, go for your long cycle at those extreme temperatures because on race day, you are going to be exposed to extreme environment and the best thing for you to do is train in that environment so that you are used to it. And that's basically what you are touching on as well, um, which is which is quite, quite difficult to do, especially when it gets to like a 35 or 34 degree and your friends are telling you you are crazy. But you need to put yourself in those positions, especially when people are telling you this is not going to be nice to you or nice for you. If you put yourself out there, then you're already getting mental victories. Yeah, so yeah, just looking at getting back to the aspiring ultra endurance athlete again and thinking about these guys that do not have any framework to reference to. They've been exposed to cross-country training at school, and which is tough at that level, but, but they've never been exposed their bodies has never been exposed to a 15 hour race being out there for 15 hours what is the golden rule that you can give to these aspiring athletes on taking on these ultra endurance events
1: so one of the um, golden rules that I try and apply my, to myself is that when we're busy with this endurance event is just to keep on moving um, don't sit and eat, walk and eat. Don't, um, you know, just sit and, well, sometimes it is nice just to sit and take in the view and really appreciate where you are and what you are doing and and how privileged you are to be able to do it. But um, when you race and when you wanna try and accomplish this massive thing, is just keep on moving, um, move where you can and, and have a goal to when you get to a climb take it easy when you get to the flats try and pick up the pace a little bit just keep on keep on moving i think that for me is a very important thing in the endurance um running especially um and yeah i think that's probably one of the the most important golden golden rules
0: i like that and i want to add to that uh, another golden rule is to to Get used to butterflies before before an event um there's no way i've I've done plenty of events and you've done plenty of events and there's a, it's really you can't get away from that. you're always gonna have butterflies before an event, so get used to that the sooner the better
1: so every with every race leading up to the race, I'll start stressing by with the races on the Saturday I'll start stressing the week before. Um, and it'll get worse and worse and worse and stress more. And by the Friday, when I see what time I need to wake up the Saturday morning, I'm like, "Why am I doing this?" And then when I get to the start, when I, as soon as the gun goes, then I'm like, "Oh, I'm loving this." So, <laughs> as you say, the butterflies and the stress and all that—that's that's part of it. And um, the better you can embrace it, the better. That feeling of accomplishment
0: is going to be at the end. Hundred percent. Thanks a lot, Herman, for being on the podcast. Um, I took a lot of wisdom from your from your experience as a coach and as an athlete. Um, I really admire people like you that that gives back to the community in terms of training programs, being an active coach, adapting these programs to suit the individual because that's crucial for for the. Aspiring athlete.
1: Thank you so much for having me.